Hello, everyone. Welcome to our listeners in the Big Apple from across the U.S. and around the world. I'm Jeff Goodman, and this is Rediscovering New York. Professionally, I'm a real estate broker with Halstead Real Estate, and as you all know, I love this city. Rediscovering New York is a weekly program about the history, texture, and vibe of our amazing city. And we do it through interviews with historians, local business owners, nonprofit organizations, preservationists, local musicians and artists, and the occasional elected official. On some shows, like tonight's, we focus on an individual New York neighborhood, exploring its history and its current energy. What makes that particular New York neighborhood special? Sometimes we host shows about an interesting and vital color of the city and its history that's not focused on one particular neighborhood. Prior episodes have covered topics as diverse and illuminating as American presidents who came from, lived in, or who had some interesting history here in New York. About half of them, there were some before Donald Trump. Uh, We've talked about the history of women activists and the women's suffrage movement in the city. We've focused on African-American history. We've talked about the history of the city's LGBT community and the gay rights movement. We've also talked about bicycles and cycling, the history of punk and opera in New York. Those were separate shows, by the way. We've explored some of the city's greatest train stations, some of its bridges, some of its libraries, and even attempts to landmark cultural buildings in the city. Tonight, we are going across the East River again to a northern point of Brooklyn. I'm talking about Greenpoint, which is right on the the confluence of the Newtown Creek and the East River. And I have two special guests this evening. Our first guest is a returning uh, expert to rediscovering New York, Lucy Levine. Lucy is a writer, historian, and a New York City tour guide. She founded Archive on Parade, a historical tour and event company that takes New York's history out of the archives and into the streets. And I can say from personal experience, Lucy does great tours. She has collaborated with institutions, including the Municipal Arts Society, the Historic Districts Council, the New York Public Library, the 92nd Street Y, the St. Regis Hotel, and Landmarks West to offer exciting tours, lectures, and community events all over the city. She's also the public programs consultant at Friends of the Upper East Side Historic Districts, and Lucy is a contributing history writer at Six Square Feet. Lucy, a hearty welcome back to Rediscovering New York. Thank you, Jeff. It's really lovely to be here. Um, let's talk about your background a, a little bit. You're from New York originally. What, where did you grow up? What part of the city are you from? So I am originally from the Upper West Side, but I have lived here in Greenpoint for uh, just over four years now. And so I'm so excited to talk about this neighborhood. When did you move to Greenpoint? I moved to Greenpoint in 2016. Uh, and I'm so happy to be on the show with Julia this evening um, because writing for Greenpointers was part of how I got to know the neighborhood as deeply as I do now and really made me feel at home uh, here in Greenpoint. So that has been a wonderful experience. Lucy's um, referring to our second guest, Julia Moak, who's the owner and publisher of Greenpointers. We're going to interview Julia in the second part of the program. Um, Lucy, what kinds of work have you done in the past in your career before you went into the the passion of sharing great things about the city with people who go on your tours? Well, I started out as a teacher. I was teaching uh, middle school students. And part of what brought me into the historical tour and event milieu, if you like, is that I had the opportunity to uh, create field trips for my students. And there was such a excitement around being able to 
make the city a classroom and to show my students that the things that they were learning in history class, you know, or reading about in books were things that they could see all around them. Um, and that's something that's always moved me as a New Yorker to realize that, you know, there are secrets and beautiful things all around New York City. And so the, the pleasure that I get in learning about that and sharing what I learned uh, is something that really moved me uh, to take my current steps in my career. Oh, great. Well, I'm going to ask you a little bit about Archive on Parade um, in the next segment. Um, let's go to that neighborhood that you live in and that Julia lives in, Greenpoint. Um, I'm always fascinated. You know, a lot of people talk about the history of neighborhoods, uh, and they start out when Europeans came, when the Dutch came, or when the English settled. You know, I'm always fascinated by the peoples who were living here before Europeans came. Um, were there local Native peoples living in the area that became Greenpoint before the Dutch arrived? Of course, this was part of Lenape lands, uh, as was all of what is now New York City and uh, the greater um, area that was known as, uh, became known as New Netherland, you know, and then, and then uh, greater New York. Well, we'll talk about the Dutch in a second, but I'm, you know, I, I always am interested in how certain neighborhoods got their names because some of them are surprising. How did Greenpoint get its name? So Greenpoint got its name because it actually was home to uh, an incredibly verdant amount of greenery. And then when we do get European settlement, there will be a family known as the Meserol family for whom Meserol Avenue uh, in today's Greenpoint is named. And there was a Meserol orchard here in Greenpoint that was a particular part of the incredible greenery that we saw here. Um, and I love you know, that there was this verdant history because Greenpoint also became an exceptionally industrial uh, part of the Brooklyn waterfront. And so one of the sort of key political bosses in Greenpoint in the early 20th century, Peter J. McGinnis, who was known as the King of Greenpoint, he always called Greenpoint a little bit cheekily, the garden spot of the world. And that was a joke. That was a reference to how industrial it had become. But in fact, he was not wrong because originally, you know, this was exceptionally verdant. This really was a garden spot, which I think mm. is kind of interesting. Which probably would have made it um, uh, sort of very fertile ground for the local peoples to to live and thrive in the area before the Dutch came. Absolutely. What What is the history of the Dutch in this part of Brooklyn? When did they first uh, stake it out? When did they first negotiate with the local people to to uh, uh, settle it or to take it over? As you know, some people might might say they did. Yeah. So this was originally part of one of the first six. Uh, Dutch settlements on Long Island. It was part of what was known as sort of Greater Bushwick, but Greenpoint then as now was a little bit isolated. And so when we talk about Dutch settlement in Greenpoint, we're really only talking about five key families um, whose names we can see in our uh, neighborhood today. I was talking about the McGinnis family, uh, the Callier family, just a very sort of small intermarried enclave of Dutch property owners. Uh, who, along with enslaved people, uh, worked this land and, and lived here in very, very large tracts of farmland. Do we have a record of, of when the first enslaved peoples would have would have worked would have lived in in Greenpoint? I can't tell you down to the year. Um, I can absolutely tell you though that Brooklyn had the highest concentration of unfree labor north of the Mason-Dixon line, and so when we talk about slavery in New York City. For the most part, we are actually talking about Brooklyn. And so the, the degree to which there was um, 
slavery going on here. Uh, the New York Historical Society has held that slavery was embedded into everyday life in Brooklyn in particular, in New York as a whole, but in Brooklyn in particular, uh, in a way that was so deep that it was only rivaled in Charleston. Wow. Wow. That's something they didn't teach me in high school. And I went to a, to a good New York City public high school in the 70s. Maybe it wasn't known to the extent that it was, that it was now. I, I read today that the first European settler in Greenpoint was actually from Norway. He wasn't Dutch. Yes, indeed, that's true. His name was Dirk the Norseman. Um, <laughs> Imagine that, Dirk the Norseman. Yes, indeed. And so today's Norman Avenue uh, is actually named for him because he was a Norman. And what's so interesting to me is I was talking about the the original sort of five Dutch families who were these Dutch settlers. One of the families who uh, Dirk Norseman began to sell his land to um, was the Meserol family. And so it's so interesting to me when I look at Greenpoint Street Grid today, we have Norman Avenue and then we have Meserol Avenue just one block to the north. So you're actually, as I do, I live between Norman and Meserol. So I am actually living sort of between these two markers of history, which I think is really quite special. Mm. Was there any significant Revolutionary War history in what would become Greenpoint, Lucy? Well, there was very, very significant Revolutionary War history in New York City as a whole, because New York City became the stronghold and base of operations of the British war effort in North America following the Battle of Brooklyn. So the Battle of Brooklyn did not take place here. It took place in what is now Prospect Park and Greenwood Cemetery. In fact, in Greenwood Cemetery, we have Battle Hill, which is the highest natural point in Brooklyn, which the Continental Army was trying to hold and was unable to hold. Um, so while you know that battle was going on around places like Flatbush Avenue and, and uh, the park and the cemetery, which I mentioned, um, the degree to which it really touched Greenpoint was that there was a post of British command here in Greenpoint. And so members of those original families who were living here, the Mesrols in particular, were actually taken as prisoners during the war because they were uh, suspected of having revolutionary sympathies. Wow, I know this is going to be a really granular question. Were any of them uh, confined to, to those horrible prison ships in Wallabat Bay, or did they keep them someplace else? So what's so interesting about the way that the British dealt with their prisoners uh, was that it, to a degree, was a class-based issue. And so people whom they consider to be of a more gentlemanly or land-owning class, uh, they would have put on parole. They would not have put in the prison ships uh, because the prison ships, as horrific as they were, were so horrific because they were meant for uh, people who the British would have considered common people or people not um, you know, deserving of the kind of maybe acclaim that they would be willing to give to uh, more wealthy citizens of New York. And since the, the Meserols and other you know, members of these families were major landowning families, um, you know, they would not have been put on the prison ships. Hmm. Well, let's fast forward uh, about 50 years after the Revolutionary War. Um, uh, I'm sure most of our listeners know that Brooklyn was incorporated as a city in 1834. <laughs> I actually didn't know the exact date until earlier today. Um, of course, it didn't span what's now the entire 64 square miles of Brooklyn. Originally, it was you know what's now Brooklyn Heights and down to maybe where Gowanus is right now. When did Greenpoint become part of the city of Brooklyn? 
Uh, Greenpoint becomes part of the Greater City of Brooklyn in 1855, which is when what you're talking about is what we now call the borough of Brooklyn, the city of Brooklyn, became itself. So Brooklyn, as we know it, uh, was incorporated in 1855, and, and Greenpoint was part of that incorporation. Mm. When did Greenpoint begin to develop into the kind of neighborhood we would begin recognizing today with the, with the streets, with the street layout being the way it is, maybe some of the, the older residential buildings? When, when did that start? So I'll give you two dates. One would be 1832, which is when Naziah Bliss, who is kind of known as the godfather of Greenpoint, uh, married into the Miserable family and began to buy up, was given land by them, but then began to buy up what would become today's Greenpoint. Uh, and with that land holding, he began to lay out uh, the grid that we have in Greenpoint today, which is that he gave us our alphabetical streets. So north to south, you know, we start to get Ash, Box, Clay, DuPont, Eagle, Freeman, you know, and it goes alphabetically down to Greenpoint Avenue. Uh, so that was his doing. And then um, he also brought us in the 1840s, he, he made it possible for Greenpoint to be sort of incorporated into what would become a greater New York because he gives us our ferry. So before that, we didn't really have a way of getting from Greenpoint to sort of other points of the city. But because- of There was no G train back then, huh? <laughs> no, 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 not until 1933 do we get our G train. So because of this I have list, there's a little bit more connection to the rest of the city. And then with that consolidation that we were talking about in 1855, um, now Greenpoint, is part of a larger Brooklyn. And so once it's part of a larger Brooklyn, um, there is access to labor, to municipal funds, to industry that's going to change the Greenpoint waterfront. And so from 1855 on into the Civil War and after the Civil War, um, we start to get the real growth of Greenpoint industry as we understand it. And so that will be really the engine for the development of Greenpoint. Oh, well, great. It's fascinating. I'm, I'm you know, obviously I love the history of New York City and, uh, you know, we're one of the oldest cities in the country. We go back 400 years and there's so much history tied up in this in this incredible place. We're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with Lucy Levine of Archive on Parade. You are listening to Rediscovering New York on our episode on Greenpoint in Brooklyn. We'll be back in a minute. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. run or are ready to open your own business? Hi, I'm Jeremiah Fox. I've been operating and opening small business for the last 25 years, and I'm the host of the new show, The Entrepreneurial Web. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern time for insights and stories on the nuances of running small business right here on Fridays at noon, talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? 
Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. We're back, and you're back to Rediscovering New York in our episode on Greenpoint in Brooklyn. My first guest is Lucy Levine, the founder of Archive on Parade. Lucy, tell us a little bit about some of your more favorite, I mean, I'm, I'm sure every single tour offering you give is your favorite tour, but, you know, um, what are some of the more unusual or the more interesting tours that, that you give in Archive on Parade? Sure. Well, I tackle a great deal of um, topics, and so I've had a lot of fun uh, being able to give a history of the public health system here in New York City, which I think is very apropos of our current moment. Um, I've really enjoyed being able to uh, give tours regarding the industrial history of the Brooklyn waterfront, which is something we're actually talking about tonight on this program. So that's, um, I think, topical and relevant as well. I particularly enjoy, I have, I have spoken even with you about um, the history of women's suffrage uh, in Brooklyn Heights, and then as a larger experience in New York City as part of that movement, uh, which is particularly relevant even now because we're looking at the the centennial of suffrage, which is great. I also do uh, tours on the history of espionage in New York City, which I, I believe are my most popular, not because I am so wonderful, but because spies are so wonderful, right? Spies are cool, and I think that that really sells it. <laughs> That's one tour I'm going to have to go on when we don't have to do this physical distancing uh, regimen anymore. Um, speaking of which, um, what kinds are you are you providing any offerings now in this in this age of COVID where where we can't be physically connected? Absolutely. Thank you so much for asking. Just as you are so ingenious to do this over Zoom and over Facebook Live, um, so have I had the opportunity to work with a variety of organizations that are offering tours in that matter. So coming up uh, this week and next, I have tours with the uh, New York Adventure Club over their digital platform, tours with uh, Village Preservation, as well as the Historic Districts Council, um, and even the Municipal Art Society, all digitally, all over Zoom. And so it's just been a really exciting experience to, um, you know, take these tours that had been these very interactive, you know, place-oriented tours and, okay, you know, how can I do them digitally? But it has been really rewarding to have that experience and to be able to connect with people in this time of isolation. And how can people find out about your programming, Lucy? Where, where can so they go? All of my uh, events are listed on my website. That's archiveonparade.com. Uh, you can also follow me on Instagram at archiveonparade or Twitter or Facebook, same handle. 
Um, and so all the information will be there for you. And if you would like, uh, you can even sign up for my newsletter uh, and find out all about tours that way. And if you go to my website, you can sign up as you like. Oh, great. Well, speaking of the industrialization of the Brooklyn waterfront, which you you talked about, you really uh, love love giving people tours about. Um, when did the industrialization in in Greenpoint really begin? When would we have seen the the part of the city? So, as I was mentioning before the break, um, in 1855, when Greenpoint becomes part of uh, Greater Brooklyn, the city of Brooklyn, um, we start to see this incredible boom in industrialization that will continue through the Civil War and really up uh, through the Second World War. In fact, between the Civil War and the Second World War, the Brooklyn waterfront was known as America's hardware store uh, because there were just so many products being manufactured here on the waterfront. And for Civil War buffs, a very famous ship was actually built in Greenpoint. It also had a shipbuilding industry. Yes, the Monitor, the USS Monitor, which was the first ironclad battleship in the uh, U.S. Navy arsenal, was built at Bushwick Inlet here uh, in Greenpoint. And in fact, we have many landmarks in our in our neighborhood today. We have the Monitor School. Uh, we have Monitor Street. Uh, we also have in what is today McGorlick Park a, a statue, a, a memorial regarding uh, the Monitor. So a lot of love. Uh, for the, we even, uh, to a degree, have a monitor museum that has gone in and out of, you know, funding, and but has a lot of love in the neighborhood. So it's there's a monument to the monitor, but not the Merrimack, eh? <laughs> Sorry, bad joke, especially these times. <laughs> um, what were the industries that that would have been based there aside from aside from shipbuilding? So shipbuilding was the largest. In fact, when we talk about the Greenpoint Historic District, which was uh, landmarked by the New York City Landmarks Preservation Commission in 1982. Uh, many of those buildings that we that were landmarked and that still characterize our neighborhood today were built uh, by the shipbuilders themselves uh, as housing uh, for themselves and their families. But beyond shipbuilding, there was also um, porcelain was a major industry, glass was a major industry, um, rope, jute was a major industry. Um, there were just an incredible variety. There was also, of course, the Astral Oil Works, uh, owned by Charles Pratt. And of course, uh, a little further south in Williamsburg, the, the Brooklyn Waterfront would not be what it is today without the American Sugar Refining Company, which gave us uh, a symbol of the waterfront for generations, which was Domino Sugar. Mm. Uh, and Charles Pratt, actually, in Astral, um, he ended up selling his oil works in the late 1870s to a very famous American that, that everyone wouldn't recognize the name of. Yes, indeed. He sold it um, to John D. Rockefeller, uh, and that would become part of Standard Oil. So when we think of oil in the United States, of course, we think of the Rockefellers and that incredible fortune. But Charles Pratt uh, has a lasting legacy in Greenpoint. He created the Astral Apartments. Uh, which were designed by Lamb and Rich, uh, which was a very, very famous firm uh, in the 19th century. And, and those apartments still stand today because they're landmarked and they're considered some of the most uh, extraordinary examples of urban workers' housing uh, in the United States. Mm. Um, another name that, that most people would recognize uh, uh, is Everhart. <laughs> Anyone who's taken a test and used a number two pencil 
uh, or in the old days, even doing mathematical equations. I don't know if, if, if school kids use, use pencils now on math, but uh, Eberhard had its lead pencil factory in, in Brooklyn, in, in Greenpoint. Absolutely. Eberhard Faber. So the pencil factory is now a co-working space. In fact, uh, Greenpointers has its offices there. So I know that Julia will talk more about that. But uh, the pencil factory uh, is also a landmark. The pencil factory is, is such a wonderful landmark because not only do you have this incredible industrial history, but also, um, you know, you're talking about something that I think has touched almost all of our lives. As you say, you know, school kids using pencils. Also, Eberhard Faber invented colored pencils. And so the first colored pencils ever created were created here in Greenpoint. Um, because I had mentioned that it's the 100th anniversary, the centennial of the 19th Amendment, I will point out also that Eberhard Faber in their factory here in Greenpoint um, employed to a large degree, almost all women, which is really uh, something special when we talk about industrial history, because I think very often when we talk about industrial history, we're not thinking necessarily about women, that that seems to be sort of a more masculine, um, you know, trade in terms of industry, but actually at the Eberhard Faber pencil factory, it was not. Mm. Well, there are a couple of other thing, interesting things about Greenpoint's history. It has the oldest continuing elementary school in the city of New York. Yes, it does. So PS 34 um, was uh, built in uh, 1867, so right after the Civil War, uh, as an elementary school, and it remains one to this day. So it has been enlarged uh, over the decades and the centuries, but it is actually still in use for its primary purpose, which is really quite cool. And not only that, um, it's not only the oldest elementary school, but it also is the first elementary school in New York City to have a dual language program. It also offers classes in Polish uh, to cater to the Polish community here in Greenpoint. Mm. And that brings us to the history of immigrant communities in Greenpoint. New York, of course, is, is full of, of, of different, different peoples coming from different places. Um, which immigrant community settled in Greenpoint and when would they have, and when would they have, have arrived? largest immigrant communities that have characterized the history of Greenpoint are, of course, the Polish community, uh, which still is very much a part of Greenpoint today. This was for decades called Little Poland, uh, and then also the Irish community. So as I was mentioning the buildup of Greenpoint uh, in the 1850s, 1840s, 1850s, well, that also mapped to, you know, the Irish potato famine and the idea of um, just mass exodus from Ireland and there being a a great deal of Irish immigration to New York City and, and several, um, you know, Irish communities making their way here to Greenpoint. So the Irish uh, made their way to Greenpoint before the Polish community. Um, and there were some very sort of larger than life figures from the Irish community who came to define Greenpoint. Among them, Patrick McCarran, for whom McCarran Park is named. He was a state senator. Um, and then, of course, uh, Pete McGinnis, who was known as the King of Greenpoint, he began uh, his career in Greenpoint as a dock worker, um, and then he was also a boxer, and then he became part of the Board of Aldermen, which is what we would now call the City Council in New York City. And so he sort of ran Greenpoint. He had the Pete McGinnis Democratic Club, um, and so he was really a political boss here in Greenpoint, and he brought us the G. The club bore his name while he was still alive? <laughs> <laughs> Yes, indeed. I mean, he was just, you know, he was just this very much larger than life figure. And, you know, he was very, 
very well known. He, he was our own kind of boss tweet, if you like, but not not corrupt to the same degree. Uh, but he brought us he brought us McCarran Pool uh, as well as the G Train and, and like a host of sort of municipal advantages that perhaps we would not have had without communities. Well, Greenpoint is also uh, famous for having the first undefeated baseball team in the United States. Yes, yes. I was so excited that we got to talk about this on this show because, you know, there's been so much sturm and drum around, are we going to have a baseball season this year? What will it look like? Um, and so whenever I am thinking about baseball, I remember that the Brooklyn Eckfords uh, were the very first undefeated baseball team in American history. We have a, a an Eckford Street uh, here in Greenpoint. But I have to tell you, they didn't play in Greenpoint. They actually played in Williamsburg. Um, the Union Grounds, a little further south from us in Williamsburg, was the first enclosed uh, baseball stadium in the United States. And so when we talk about, you know, baseball in Brooklyn, before we're talking about the Dodgers, we're really talking about the Brooklyn Edwards playing at uh, Union Grounds. Well, a darker part of Greenpoint's history, Lucy, is that of environmental pollution and catastrophe. Uh, in 1950, uh, there was the famous Greenpoint oil spill, which until then was the largest oil spill in the United States. And th- they're still cleaning it up. There's still damage in Newtown Creek from that spill. Um, we are still really dealing with the fallout of that here in Greenpoint. And what's, I think, wonderful uh, is that the city of New York has really in a way, come to uh, memorialize that to a degree because we're, we're putting up our new Greenpoint Library right now. It's actually almost done. Uh, and it is a Greenpoint Library and Environmental Center. Uh, and one of their first projects, which is already underway, even though the library itself is not open, uh, is an oral history of environmental impact in Greenpoint. So speaking to residents about what their experience has been, you know, regarding the the pollution that uh, longtime residents have had to deal with. Um, and that pollution also led to the GCEF, the Greenpoint Community Environmental Fund, uh, which ExxonMobil, because ExxonMobil was responsible for the spill, um, was ruled into, legislatively ruled into having to contribute to, uh, so that Exxon to this day has to support um, environmental projects within the community. And so when it comes to uh, community activism in Greenpoint, there is, um, you know, a really sort of intergenerational, fully residential push uh, to creating a greener um, and safer Greenpoint. Mm. Well, that's great. Um Lucy Levine, thank you so much for being our first guest on the show about Greenpoint. Our first guest on this show of Rediscovering New York about Greenpoint has been Lucy Levine. Lucy is the founder of a great tour company called Archive on Parade. You can connect with Lucy at www.archiveonparade.com. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about more recent changes to Greenpoint with our second guest. We'll be back in a moment. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network at www.talkingalternative.com. Now, broadcasting 24 hours a day. Talking Alternative. Do you 
run or are ready to open your own business? Hi, I'm Jeremiah Fox. I've been operating and opening small business for the last 25 years, and I'm the host of the new show, The Entrepreneurial Web. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern time for insights and stories on the nuances of running small business right here on Fridays at noon, talkradio.nyc. Do you love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York, a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. Hi, I'm Graham Dobbin. Join me every Thursday evening for the Mind Behind Leadership here on talkradio.nyc. We speak to people from business, sport, military and politics, all around what makes a great leader. The personal experiences of what's worked and maybe more importantly, what hasn't worked. So that's seven o'clock every Thursday evening. The Mind Behind Leadership here on talkradio.nyc. Listen to real stories of real leaders. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. back to Rediscovering New York. Support for our program comes from our sponsors, Christopher Pappas, mortgage specialist at TD Bank. To find out how Chris can help you with all your residential home mortgage needs and tailor a mortgage that's right for you, please give Chris a call at 203-512-3918. And support also comes from the law offices of Thomas Sianka, specializing in wills, estate planning, probate, and inheritance litigation. Tom and his staff can be reached at 212-495-0317. Rediscovering New York is about New York City and the myriad textures of our amazing place. There's another great show on the air about New York and specifically about the business of real estate. Good Morning New York with Vince Rocco, my friend and colleague at Halstead. Vince's show airs live on Tuesday mornings at 9 a.m. You can hear him on voiceamerica.com and also on podcast. You can like the show on Facebook and you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter. My handles on those channels are Jeff Goodman NYC. If you have comments or questions, or if you'd like to get on our mailing list, please email me, Jeff at rediscoveringnewyork.nyc. One other note before we get to our next guest, even though Rediscovering New York is not a show about the real estate business in New York, when I'm not on the air, I am indeed a real estate agent in this amazing city where I help my clients buy, sell, lease, and rent property. If you or someone you care about is considering a move into, out of, or within New York, I would love to help you with those real estate needs. You can reach me and my team at 646-306-4761. Our next guest is another Green Pointer, Julia Moak. Julia is owner and publisher of GreenPointers.com, hyper-local media outlet covering the areas of Greenpoint and Williamsburg, in Brooklyn, of course. After 12 years as working as a product developer and while browsing the latest neighborhood news on Green Pointers, she saw that it was for sale and decided to buy it. Despite having no experience in journalism or events, Julia bought it in 2015, hit the ground running, 
and immediately started writing stories and producing the first of many seasonal markets. Under her leadership, Greenpointer's audience has grown substantially, and its local coverage has not only had direct impact on its community, but has seen national and international reach. The seasonal markets have supported the launch of many independent small businesses, helping to drive the creative local economy. In 2016, Julia resurrected Greenpoint Open Studios, a popular yearly event that draws over 400 participating local artists and thousands of visitors. Julia Moak, a hearty welcome to Rediscovering New York. Hi, thanks for having me. Um, you're originally from the city, aren't you? Yeah, um, I, was, um, I was born in Korea, but I went, my parents immigrated here when I was a baby, so I consider myself a native New Yorker. Ah. When did you move to Greenpoint, Julia? I moved here in 2011. Uh, but before that, I had lived like, you know, about a 10 minute walk um, in Williamsburg, technically, but the borders are very close. So what had you decided to move to Greenpoint from Williamsburg? They really are close and separated by, I mean, I've been across, I don't know what the official dividing line is, but there's a little park there and I've crossed it a number of times, but I don't know what the you know, what the demarcation line is. What had you moved to Greenpoint from Williamsburg? Well, I was renting in Williamsburg in, in 2011. It was, I was looking to buy a place. And so I bought a place in Greenpoint. In oh, great. Yeah. What was your career path before you bought Greenpointers? Um, sorry, you broke up a little, but I heard your oh, career what, oh, path. Yes, yes. What did what were you doing professionally before before you decided to go into in into neighborhood publishing and advertising and events? So I was a product developer for um, over ten years, twelve years, and I was working on um, creating, conceptualizing, designing web based applications. Is Greenpoint is the first business that you owned? Yes. <laughs> ah. And I should clarify that at the time when I bought Greenpointers, it wasn't so much as a business decision as it was more of a quest to find something different to do and redefine what I thought of as success and getting in touch with my creative side. Oh, and, and it, you found it because all of a sudden you were, you were uh, looking at it, reading it online with it, and, 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 some, and it was for sale all of a sudden and you got the bug? Yeah, I mean, I had been following Greenpointers for years, and at that time, I was working a very demanding job, and I was looking for, around the time I was quitting and looking for a transition, I was also looking to um, like get online whole and um look for something to do in the neighborhood and reconnect with the news. And I was reading green pointers when I saw it on sale. So I wasn't really looking to buy anything at the time, but, um, once the seed was planted, I, you know, looked into it further. And about a month later, I was the new owner of green pointers. Wow. You know, I've never talked about it on the show before. Um, I had, I, you had a very similar experience to me in the eighties. I was a member of the small chamber of commerce. It was actually New York's LGBT chamber of commerce. Although there was no B and T in the lexicon in those days, it was the gay and lesbian chamber of commerce. And, uh, I was not very happy in what I was doing. And I knew these guys who owned this advertising company, uh, they produced, uh, maps and guides, uh, for specific cities, not unlike what you do at Greenpointers. And it was for sale. And all of a sudden I thought, gee, I'm going to make a change. And, uh, 
I borrowed $2,000 from my uncle as a down payment and, uh, be and became a business person from that point on. So that's great. Um, let's talk about uh, a little bit about how you are engaged with the community in Greenpoint. What are the seasonal markets that, uh, that you help create with Greenpointers? What are they? Well, right now, because of what's going on, um, my primary engagement with the community is delivering online use. The seasonal markets um, are on pause because um, it's very much about in-person interaction. But what they are is a, it's a one-day sort of festival that brings the community together around 60 to 70 curated independent artisans and small businesses and um, vendors who showcase their stuff and sell stuff. Um, and then we have a lot of activities surrounding that. So we have you know, free activities like a photo booth that I usually create with an artist or um, – you know, massages or um, nail art. And, you know, it's, it's really like about celebrating the creative energy and supporting local commerce in the neighborhood. It also takes place in one of the most beautiful historic places in Greenpoint called the Greenpoint Muff. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Lucy, I, I believe that it's the, it used to be the site of one of the largest rope manufacturing companies in the U.S., so it, it's and it's only really open to the public once in a while when we open when we do the markets. Oh, and are the seasonal markets different from from Greenpoint Open Studios? Yeah, Greenpoint Open Studios is a whole different thing um, where we uh, where artists in the neighborhood open up their studios to the public. Um, in recent years, we've seen up to four hundred artists um, participate. And it's, it's, a, it's a weekend event, but we also do a lot of little meetups and things to create a sense of community and support local artists in the neighborhood leading up to the event. So that is also on pause until um, we're able to interact in person. Um, but yeah, that's what that is. How often um, do you do the, you know, uh, uh, health precautions permitting? Um, how often would you do the Greenpoint Open Studios? Is it seasonal? Is it annual? It's an annual event right now. We talked about doing, before everything happened, um, doing, doing them seasonally, like mini open studios seasonally um, throughout the year. But all that stuff is on pause at the moment. Hmm. And how often um, would the seasonal market, obviously they're on pause now, but how, how often would the seasonal markets happen? The seasonal markets, um, we do one usually around ho surrounding holidays. So we have a Valentine's themed market, a holiday themed market, and usually a spring market. Um, we've had summer markets in the past. And um, like the last two years, we stopped doing that because we, it coincides too much with Greenpoint Open Studios. Are they near each other in the same place or can one go from the markets to, uh, uh, they can, but you know, I, I, I'm one person and I have limited bandwidth to plan, um, events around the same time. <laughs> ah. And how did you, how did Greenpointers come to be in the, in the old Everhard pencil factory? Oh, well, you know, we work out of a co-working space. So, um, you know, somebody who was working there approached me and said this new co-working space is opening up and I visited it. And I think I was like their second tenant at the time. And um, 
yeah, it's just a beautiful space. It has like uh, 360 views of the neighborhood. It faces um, the water tower. Um, and yeah, that's just how I ended up there. It's it's a co-working space called Pencil Works. Pencil Works, how appropriate. And not Eberhard, okay. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, I haven't been there. Okay. Well, we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with Julia Moak, who's the owner and publisher of greenpointers.com. We'll be back in a moment. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. Are you a curious person, always asking questions? Do you desire to be in the know? Then join me, Antonia, host of So Now You Know, Thursdays at 5 p.m. at talkradio.nyc. Listen in as I attempt to satisfy that curiosity. I will be talking with amazing everyday people. Join the fun. So now you know on Thursdays at 5 p.m. at talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. We're back to this episode on Greenpoint in Brooklyn on Rediscovering New York. And it really is a Greenpoint fest. My two guests both live in Greenpoint. Um, One of them has given tours of Greenpoint and the other owns a media company about Greenpoint, greenpointers.com. And of course, I'm talking about Julia Moak. Julia, um, describe the vibe of Greenpoint. What is it that you like about it? Um, So what I like about Greenpoint is that it has a really cozy, intimate neighborhood vibe that without feeling like a small town. So it takes me about like 10 to, it should normally take me about 10 to 15 minutes to um, walk to work from my house to my office in Pencil Works. But a lot of times it takes me like an hour or more because I'm constantly running into people I know on the way. I get into conversation with my local barista at Euro Cafe and um, so to me, this, this very much feels like home. Um, even though there's a lot of shifts and changes, there's, it, it really feels like a cozy community. Mm. What kind of changes have you seen lately in, in Greenpoint since you, since you moved in? Well, since I moved in, um, I mean, I can, obviously we're experiencing, you know, all the changes that come with that typically come with gentrification. I think more recently, and I don't know if this is specific to Greenpoint as, as it is like 
more more of a symptom of what's happening right now. Um, we have a lot of uh, small businesses closing. It's been like a death knell of storefronts closing in the neighborhood because of rising costs. A lot of my friends have moved out of the neighborhood or moved to the West Coast. Um, in, in the last couple of months, we've been reporting on closures every week. Um, so there's been huge shifts in the neighborhood, I feel like, in the last couple of months. But there, there has been similar shifts happening leading up to when we had to do the shutdown. Mm. Well, one of the things, you know, it, it's interesting. One of the things that leads to a more rapid change in the neighborhood, especially in housing stock, is when neighborhoods, uh, when most of the dwellings are actually less than less than six units because of the rent regulation laws. I mean, that's one of the things that contributed to the rapid change of Williamsburg was that so much of the housing stock was uh, houses that didn't have um, didn't have a lot of rental units in them, so they were not rent rent regulated. And Greenpoint um, is largely the same. There are a lot of houses that are broken up into apartments. Um, so that's one of the things that's happened in Greenpoint as well. But one of the nice things about Greenpoint too is that there's been some really nice construction of new housing, um, especially uh, uh, in the streets adjacent adjacent to the East River. Um, what do you think makes to you what what makes Greenpoint exciting, Julia? What are you excited about about Greenpoint? Well, exciting is a strong word. I would say what I really appreciate about Greenpoint is that. It's a relatively small neighborhood, but there's a lot packed in. Like, you know, I can walk across the street, you know, in different times. I could walk across the street and go to a concert. I could walk a few blocks away and um, go to a party. Or we have some of the nicest restaurants around here. Um, And you can experience Greenpoint in a lot of different levels. You can have authentic Polish food. but at the same time, you can, you know, take a break and find some tranquility in some of our parks. So there's a variety of experiences you can have here in Greenpoint, um, even though it's, it's a, you know, it's relatively a, a, t- a small neighborhood. Well, it's a great little Polish uh, bakery on Manhattan Avenue that I go to when I show property in the neighborhood. I forgot the name of it, but uh, I, do, I go in and, and buy stuff and bring it home. Um, my husband really appreciates that when I do. Um, I, I like to ask a question of people who've been in a neighborhood for a while. Um, is there anything that, that surprised you about Greenpoint after you moved there? Anything you um, found surprising? You know, I, I, not, not so much. Like, I, like after I moved, I, I already was familiar with it. I would say what surprises me sometimes is because... Greenpoint, to me, is kind of a healing place. It's the place where I find community, and this is the the place I go to where I feel safe, and, you know, there's a sense of kinship in this neighborhood that that keeps me grounded. So what's surprising to me is um, when things come up, like, like as recently as a few months ago, there was some hate graffiti. Um, anti-Asian hate graffiti, for example. So, and I'm an Asian person. So when, when things like that come up, it's, it's very surprising to me because it's not the green point I know normally or experience. But 
but those things do exist too. And that's mm. the reality. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. Um, and certainly in the in the present climate of um, without getting political, it, it's 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 certainly contributed to to a tolerance and people in people expressing um, the hate that they have. Um, is there anything that you struggle with in Greenpoint, Julia, especially as a business owner? Well, we're in the business of news and we're kind of living in pretty contentious times right now at, at a time when um local news is struggling. Media in general is struggling, especially local news. So those, those things are challenging. Um, I think it's important to keep local news going and keep people informed in this critical time. Um, we recently, for example, obviously there's a lot going on between the um, racial tensions and the, the health crisis, but there's also elections that are, you know, hugely important to, like, our, the future of the neighborhood. And and you've just had a very important a primary election that saw the defeat of a 24-term member of the Assembly. Uh, yeah, they, these were, we had very spirited um, campaigns on both sides, and, um, yeah, it, like, surprising outcomes. We had a 47-year-old 47-year incumbent Joel Antol was um, defeated by a young insurgent, um, Emily Gallagher, and the 36-year incumbent at the district leader was also defeated by a, a new newcomer, Kat. Yeah. <laughs> Well, so, you know, that's one of the great things about New York is is uh, uh, it's a city that's always changing. And uh, it, it's a city, as, as Lucy would be able to speak to, that has always been um, uh, a hotbed and on the cutting edge of reformist politics. So it's uh, I'm always uh, intrigued and fascinated to see uh, uh, people with new ideas and uh, representing, you know, growing centers of people who, who want their voices heard and want new directions for, for things uh, in their communities. Um, as a business owner, Julia, is there anything that you wish was in Greenpoint that isn't right now on a business or other level? Well, um, <laughs> you know, I wish that we weren't having a pandemic. <laughs> well, aside from that, I mean, you know, we all wish that, but, you know, just from a neighborhood perspective, is there anything yeah, that just, you... I think, yeah, I think it's really difficult for small business owners um, with rising commercial rents and no protections to keep to keep in operation. That I think that's the biggest challenge that we face. And, you know, that's why we're having more and more empty storefronts. Um, and I think you see that happening a lot in the city and we're seeing that happening more and more in, in North Brooklyn as well. Is there any particular advice that you would give to someone who was thinking about opening up a business specifically in Greenpoint? Yeah, I would say to get to know the neighborhood, um, you know, and respect the people who are here. Don't come in thinking that, you know, you're going to, you're going to bring something to the table that's different. Just, just understand um, who we are and what we like before you do something <laughs> else. Because Green Pointers are very supportive of local businesses. You know, they, they come together and support local. But if you, um, if you don't feel, if you feel foreign, they will also let you be loud about that too. Oh, in that sense, it sounds uh, kind of like a small town that has small town values. Uh, 
as it, a neighborhood. Like I said, there is that sensibility, but it also feels expansive in that you can experience um, all kinds of different things and meet new people. And there's always room for discovery here. Well, thank you, Julia. Um, my second guest on this program about Greenpoint in Brooklyn has been Julia Moak. Julia is the owner and publisher of Greenpointers. Our first guest was another Greenpointer, Lucy Levine of Archive on Parade. Lucy, thanks for returning to Rediscovering New York. If you have comments or questions about the show, if you'd like to get on our mailing list, please email me, jeff at rediscoveringnewyork.nyc. You can like us on Facebook. Our title page there is Rediscovering New York with Jeff Goodman. Original, I know, but that's what it is. And you can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter. My handles there are Jeff Goodman NYC. Once again, I'd like to thank our sponsors for this evening's show, Chris Pappas, mortgage banker at TD Bank, and the law offices of Tom Siaka, specializing in wills, estate planning, probate, and inheritance litigation. One more thing before we sign off. I'm Jeff Goodman, a real estate agent at Halstead in New York City and in Greenpoint. And whether you're selling, buying, leasing, or renting, my team and I provide the best service and expertise in New York City real estate. To help you with your real estate needs, you can reach us at 646-306-4761. Our producer is Ralph Storier. Our engineer is Sam Leibowitz. Our special consultant for the series is David Griffin of Landmark Branding. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. Do you run or are ready to open your own business? Hi, I'm Jeremiah Fox. I've been operating and opening small business for the last 25 years, and I'm the host of the new show, The Entrepreneurial Web. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern time for insights and stories on the nuances of running small business right here on Fridays at noon, talkradio.nyc. Hi, I'm Graham Dobbin. Join me every Thursday evening for the mind behind leadership here on talkradio.nyc. We speak to people from business, sport, military and politics, all around what makes a great leader. The personal experiences of what's worked and, maybe more importantly, what hasn't worked. So that's 7 o'clock every Thursday evening. The mind behind leadership here on talkradio.nyc. Listen to real stories of real leaders. Hey, all you crazy listeners. Looking to boost your business? Why not advertise on Talking Alternative with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply email at info at talkingalternative.com. Are you a curious person always asking questions? Do you desire to be in the know? Then join me, Antonia, host of So Now You Know, Thursdays at 5 p.m. at talkradio.nyc. Listen in as I attempt to satisfy that curiosity. I will be talking with amazing everyday people. Join the fun. So now you know on Thursdays at 5 p.m. at talkradio.nyc. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network at www.talkingalternative.com. 
Now, broadcasting 24 hours a day. Talking Alternative. Do you love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York, a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. 